My guest this week has quite an impressive resume. In the radial class, he medalled at both the ISAF Worlds and Europeans, and then followed that up when he moved to the standard, medalling at the under-21 Worlds and Europeans in a, in a tight and hotly contested fleet. And then most recently, he finished eighth at the Senior Worlds in Barcelona at the back end of last year, being the first Brit there. I'm, of course, talking about Dan Whiteley. Dan, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Ben. That was very flattering. <laughs> Thank you for leaving out my, uh, my, my troughs and just focusing on the peaks. <laughs> appreciate that. So we're currently out in Palma, or Campestilla, to be more precise. You've not sailed today, but you've been sailing the last few days. What's it been like out there? Describe the conditions and the weather to people. Um... So it's not been a, a classic Palmer build-up. Usually you have an icy breeze that comes, comes in from the south. Uh, and instead we've just got a cold north-westerly? No, north-easterly. Yeah. Um, so it's been pretty shifty, but, you know, interesting and fun. Let's put it that way. For sure. And you also did the Aranel Regatta early on in the month. Yeah. I what did. were the sort of conditions and racing like there? Um, so when we did that, we were further across, close to the RNL side. Um, so it's, it's a very different race course because you deal with um, the left bend around the land. So that, that was pretty important on the first day. The second day, I, it was windier and further from the right. So it was, again, pretty shifty. Uh, and then the last day, it was a mixture of cloud and the left, which I found pretty difficult to, to figure out. And of, I remember actually your first Palmer, it didn't go as well as, as planned. I remember you being quite upset. Was it quite a rough wake-up call to senior racing? Because you'd only been in the boat probably two, three months at that point. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair to say. It's, it's not an easy fleet, and you definitely come in... Well, I, well, maybe not everyone, but I certainly came in thinking, oh, you know, I did well at youth, how hard can this be? And the answer is bloody hard. Um, so, yeah, I came... What? Mid-silver there? I think. Uh, I think it was more back-end of silver. <laughs> back-end back of silver then. Um, but, you know, if you, if you adjust to it, you can, you can definitely make strides, and I think I did that, yeah. And I think mentality-wise, you were quite strong in that point, because I remember one day that stood out for me was you had a second last in a race and a black flag. I remember you being quite upset on shore, but a week later, back in the UK, the Youth Nationals, and you went and won it with Jack Cookson, Sam Whaley you know, all in the British sailing team, the three of you at that point, and you managed to come out on top. So mentally-wise, what did you do to reset, to focus on that event? Um, I don't know. It's quite a long time ago now, though. <laughs> um, I, think, I think I struggled in Palmer, maybe because I wasn't as quick, but you just in youth racing, you don't have that many boats around you. And I went to the Youth Nationals, and suddenly it's just not just the three of us racing there was obviously quite a deep fleet at that point but it was only three guys I had to really compete against and then it becomes more about shifts and outsmarting them as opposed to feeling comfortable racing with loads of boats around you or just start the committee boat and bang right that was uh... as you did (laughs) (laughs) and get lucky that's a bit of breakthrough for you wasn't it yeah but then later on in the year the under 21s they were quite close together that year so what was what was going through your sort of sort you know work up to that because there's only about half a week I think separating those events it was very bang bang back together events the build up to the world yeah so both? sort of just preparing for both events in one go um 
I mean, we train away with a bunch. It's not. It's no difference to training for one event, I guess. I, I don't really know what to say. I mean, there's yeah. the, there's no difference between, you know, going out and doing one U twenty one bars and then going out for this one three week trip. Um, I was definitely still at the point where I really enjoyed going away from England and competing. You know, obviously now I've got a bit more used to it. Three weeks on the trot, two events that that, that close, it would just be, you know, pretty exhausting. But I guess I had a youthful energy then, so yeah. maybe that, let's say that got me through. That got you through. And you didn't have sort of the most natural progression into the standard. You actually did a bit of 420 racing. Do you want to just talk about that to everyone? Uh, yeah, I can. Um, yeah, so I, I moved out of an op at 14. Uh, not into a 4.7 or 8, but into a 4.20. So I helmed that for two years. Um, and then I went into the radial after. After that? After that, yeah. So what was the sort of reasoning from going from an oppie into a into into 420 I know you're a bit on the small side for a standard yeah not being six foot yet but um <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah we're still hoping <laughs> um but you, you're probably too big for 470 helm yes uh so my my dad isn't that tall nor is my mum um and at that point I was you know when I came out of the op I was I wasn't small but I kind of thought okay I've grown a bit now and probably stay at this height for a while um, so I thought, okay, I fit in the back of the 420, a laser's probably out of reach for me. And it was only after I had a big growth spurt when I was 15 and a half, 16, that I thought, actually, you know, this is possible. And I always wanted to sell a, if I'm honest, I really want to sell a big optimist, um, but you know, the 420 was the only one that fit. And then when I got big enough to go into laser, suddenly that, that kind of fits me more, the single handed path. And was it sort of more as well that you wanted to sail on your own rather than have a crew that maybe wasn't doing what you wanted them to do? Or? <laughs> um, I think at that point, yes. So I, I sailed with James, who was and is still my best friend. Um, and whilst it was great fun when it was going well, uh, two 15-year-old boys in a boat, there was a lot of arguments and because we were close. It, you know, it, it was hard to detach that relationship from the professional racing side. Um, so I think it just got a bit intense and we both wanted to switch. He also wanted to, uh, wanted to helm because he hadn't grown as much. So he, you know, he wanted, he thought he could do what I did better than I could. And, um, I guess I was a bit, uh, a bit arrogant as well because I thought I could do it better than him. So, you know, I think that last year we weren't really pushing as a team. And the laser gave me an opportunity to go and prove I could do it by myself. Yeah. And like we said already, you did all right in, in the radio and in the under 21 sort of youth class in standard rig. Yeah. What was sort of then after that, you, you did say earlier on you went for a bit of a trough. Yes. Now, difficult times, as everyone knows, when, when you aren't performing to where you want to be. And that's sort of the sort of age as well when a lot of people quit. As as you've seen, you know, a lot of the people you're in squads with uh, and myself, they've all dropped by the wayside and, you know, we're sort of the few that are left in a way. Why, what keeps you sort of going in those difficult parts? Um, I, I don't really know, you know. I, there's been a couple of times where I'm like, right, this is it. I'm not getting back in this bloody boat again. Uh, I'm done. But, I don't know, it's just been such a big part of my life for 
well, as long as I can remember it, I first started sailing when I was six. I just, I don't really want to leave it. Um, and I don't want to leave it having not been successful at what I set out to, to do. And I think, you know, I've also seen some success throughout the years, so I know it's not all bad when it seems that way. Um, yeah. I guess I just want to keep racing. And it makes the good parts even better, sort of when you go through those those tough parts. Yeah. And um, as so well, when you were at uni, it must have been quite hard, sort of, where you had Sam, who was full-time, and then Cookson went full-time for a bit, and you were still at uni. It must have been quite hard to keep up with that workload that they were sort of, you know, the amount of training they were putting through to try and keep up with them. Uh yeah, it was, and it, it's, it, I guess the main thing is the amount of time you can put on the water, but it's also the other things you do outside of it, you know, sailing is a lot more than just going sailing, it's the fitness, it's the mental aspect, and if you don't have enough time to think about those things and see where you can get better and analyse your performance, then you, you miss out a lot, um, and I, I certainly struggled with that side and also the on-water time when I was at university, so yeah, I, I, I don't... I don't think that helped my progression, but at the same time, I've, I've, I guess, I've had a lot of life experience going there, um, and now that I am full time, I think it's just set me up better to accelerate upwards, which is what I've been doing, and hopefully I can continue to do. Yeah, well, I mean, like we said last year, I came eighth at the worlds, which is great, and you know, seven more spaces to go in a way. So, um. You know, getting back to that sort of mentality point, we were discussing actually before the podcast that I think you've got quite a good base of when to relax at an event and to sort of think, what do I need to, you know, work on at that event? And then when there's a peak event in the year, performing at that peak event, sort of a lot of people try and perform at every event. What would you say that you do specifically that helps you do it the way that you do it? Well, don't get me wrong, every event I go to, I want to do the best I possibly can. Um, but there are definitely important events, and then there are less important events. And I think if you, you know, to, to, to win and do the best you can, it takes an awful lot of effort. Uh, not just for the event, but, you know, the build-up to it, and, and all the things you do around sailing to mentally prepare yourself. You just can't put that effort into every single event you do, especially when we do. I don't know, the, the last six weeks, we've done two events and Princess Fierce coming up again. If you had to try and do all that for all three, you, I mean, you just, you couldn't, you couldn't do it. And then the last one would suffer. So I think if you naturally know which one you're aiming for, it, it sort of just happens naturally for me. Yeah, so would you say that's fair to sort of say that maybe there's sometimes events where you might have not got the result you wanted but you actually went I've learnt from that and put it forward yeah I mean you try to do that with everyone is there a specific event where you go okay I really didn't get a good result there but I took this away from it um I feel like that's been the case the last three years really go on give us an example of an event then and what you took away from it okay well I mean, the Europeans this year, I did, I didn't do as well as I thought at the very end of the regatta, but actually I did pretty okay. I came, what, 18th overall and, and 13th European. But I thought that was 
headway and I made a bunch of mistakes but I think I think it's just a realization that actually you know I can be better than this and uh, I made these mistakes here and these mistakes here and it gives you the belief to go forwards um, and aim higher at the next one so that's that's one part of it belief and then and t technically uh, I realized I wasn't that quick in side swell on the upwinds especially the downwinds too um, and then my planning out the lure mark was just dreadful back then so uh, I went away and came up with a couple of questions I asked myself pre-start you know, what's my default plan um, and what are the priorities uh, for the second beat so that when I when I when it came to the worlds and I was going downwind about to round the mark let's say I was in a tight situation I, asked, I already knew the answer to those questions beforehand so had I not got a chance to look at for anything I'd already know my my you know, default plan before I go around there, and it helps a lot. Um, so that's an example of you know, um, something I took from a letter and put into the next. When one. you're sort of taking that away from that gather, is that self-assessing yourself, or is that assessing with somebody else, like a coach, or where do you find it's most beneficial for you to reflect on the big event like that? Um, most of it comes from yourself. You know, if you don't sit down and properly review on your own, then you're never going to really buy into what the coach says. Now, if you review on your own and then the coach reviews you separately and gives you some extra points, well, then that's useful because you can see how it ties into what you thought. And then maybe they pick up on something you didn't, but if you're not in the mood to self-reflect, then how is anyone going to you know, tell you something that you actually take on board and, and put forwards? For sure. And like we said, you took a big step forward this, you know, this last 12 months. What would you say was the contributing factor to that compared to, say, the two years prior where you went for a bit of a, a lull, in a, in a sense? Um, I guess there are, there are a couple of things that changed. So firstly, I, I graduated university. That was definitely a big one because it, it meant that I could put a lot more time to sailing. And actually with COVID... Sam and I both moved out to Villamora in January and because we can go back and forth well all we could do was sail um, so we've got a lot of volume in that way uh, on top of that uh, because we'd done a month there and we were pretty fresh when Chris, Elliot and Mickey came out they thought we were good enough to train with them and then we had a group now for the next four months that really pushed us and then Penny started coaching us and, and She's really strong at, at, at the campaigning side of it. You know, yes, it's a boat race, but actually how you conduct yourself and how you work on things and develop is, uh, is a skill in itself. And, and I think she really helped us be focused on what we were working on. Um, and, and there was some structure to it all. Uh, I think that made probably the biggest difference out of all three of the factors. She's an excellent coach. Yeah, no, it definitely is. And so you've had several coaches at, in the standard rig now. Let, let me try and get this right. You've, got, you've had Chris Gowers, you've had Penny, you've had uh, James Gray and Matt Howard for a little bit at the Worlds. Was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah? that's fair. I mean, Gowers has only just started coaching us before it was more. He's coaching Elliot and a little bit Mickey. Then um, we'd kind of get what we could out of him. Uh, and we were able to join in. And those are your, the four coaches you've had in standard, is that right? Yeah, 
I've you know, had Charlie for a little bit too. Yeah, and Charlie are very um, strong. Yeah, but yeah. those are the... the so ones. you've said about Penny being really good at the campaigning side of it and how to conduct yourself in that sense. With the other four coaches, what would you say is their biggest point that they've, you know, that you've found that's unique to them, that you've taken away from their coaching ability? Oh god, that's a good question. Um, it's been a while since I've been coached by Dre, so I have to think about that one. Um, well, let's let's start with the most recent ones then. Why you think of that? Okay, I I mean we've only had Matt for one camp, but it's evident that he's very, he's very focused on the details. Um, uh, I mean that's that's incredibly important. It's easy to see why he's had the success he has. So the real finer, uh, finer details. Yeah, like we were going down when he was talking about that specific kicker setting and what, like how you how you change depending on how quick the waves are and all these things. And and Gao's style is more um, it lets you figure it out, which I find really good. But the contrast of the two is it's they're very different, but it's beneficial to have both. You know. Um, Chris knows an awful lot, um, but he's he's very good at letting you figure out yourself uh, and facilitating the, the training. That's what I think. Um, and then when you can't figure something out and you ask him, he, I mean he knows. So he's really excellent at that. Um, Penny, I said, just great at campaign skills and the planning and the, yeah. the reviewing process. And then you got Charlie and Dre. Ah, oh, well, yeah, I had Charlie for two. I had Charlie for an event and two camps when I was pretty hopeless and standard. <laughs> so I think it's, it's, it's hard to say. Um, it's hard to assess it properly. And the same with Dre. I mean, I was still at university. I wasn't, I wasn't very good at that point. Um, there must be he, something that stands out there. He taught me so much about saving the laser that uh, I desperately needed. But it was all basic stuff because I was uh, an idiot. <laughs> 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 But no, he he brought he brought that whole squad on, pretty dramatically, and yeah. you know we we came third, fourth, and fifth at the twenty one worlds that year, and you know that was predominantly due to Dre whipping us into shape, yeah, and quickly, for sure. So so moving back out here to Palmer, sort of what are you you know as a week away from the event? What's sort of going through your mind in that week before the event? What sort of is your checklist, so to speak, as to you know what you do? Oh, what, what I'm doing well yeah you know or sort of the priorities that okay I need to you know put it simply I need to register you know that's that's one thing you know stuff like that well um I, I get a lot more on the I'm more I'm more on it this week you know the build up to this event it's a big event and and I, I just do everything properly so I, I get in the morning I've got my plan I've already planned out you know what physical things I'm going to do each day and I'm trying to taper down so I can perform well um, I also have like a checklist of things I need to get done that day. I, I, I try to give myself more structure basically. I think it's easy to get nervous and get lost in, in the fact that it's a World Cup and it's the first one of the season and and you end up, I don't know, the more you can plan out and give yourself structure, the less your mind has to think about am I doing enough and, and am I going to be good enough, you know? If you do the processes right, in the, both the build-up and actually in the catcher itself. The result take care, takes care of itself. So, yeah, I, I'm just trying to follow my plan that I've already set out yeah. uh, for sailing volume and, and, phys- and physical volume. And then also, you know, what I actually want to get done on the water. 
like I went out I went out two days ago by myself just because I needed to tidy up some light window handling you know the motivation for that isn't there normally yeah <laughs> you know, by yourself I, but in the, the build up to an event I've already said I need to do this so I'm going to go out and do it and it's in my it's in my day planner so that's what I'm doing and you know like you said you're very regimented in that sort of planning each day by day so would you say for like a youth sailor coming up the ranks maybe in radio or even in the standard you know say they're big events coming up youth nationals is coming up in you know a few weeks time would you say for them to do a similar thing oh i mean if it helps them maybe i'm not very regimented normally i'm uh, much more loose but in the build up to an event if you get nervous the more that you can the more certainty you have the better if, if you're naturally very confident, which I guess some people are, but I'm not, uh, then you take all these unknowns out of it with a day planner and a bunch of processes around your racing and decision making, then, you know, suddenly it becomes easy because all you have to do is follow that plan and you'll race well. And before you know it, it's the first race of the event sort of thing, if you just follow that plan. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm just free up your headspace if that works for you then do it and if it doesn't then you know find something else yeah now for the youth nationals you know coming up in a few weeks time you've won the event like we've mentioned before what sort of you know what's your advice to those youth sailors taking part so the radials and the start the ilka six and the ilka sevens nowadays what's my advice to them um i mean i don't know just go and enjoy it it's not it's not the be all end all, it's the youth nationals. And I know you think it is, and I certainly thought it was when I did it, but you know, you go five years on, you're five years removed from that point and you realise that it was it was actually just a, a great time racing with your mates and, and to, you should just try and enjoy it as much as you can because, you know, the further you get up in the pathway, um, the the more serious it becomes and the more results focused it is and, and actually the less opportunity there is to have fun. So you know what, bugger the result, just, just enjoy your racing and, and value the opportunity to, to get out there and race with your mates. Yeah, I, I feel the same. I mean, look back at that 2017 summer that we all had. It was just a you know, good sort of time, you know, racing with your mates, training with your mates, and just having a good, you know, good laugh. And nowadays, it's a, it's a lot more serious. And <laughs> yeah, not to say that we don't have fun, but it's sort of the fun we do have is more on a long bike ride or... You know, where it's that environment rather than, you know, just joking around. Yeah, it's more organised fun now. Yeah. <laughs> where you go out for dinner with your, your friends, but yeah, then, then we had a, yeah, we did have a lot of fun, not to be too reminiscent. Yeah. <laughs> what's your, what's your favourite memory from that, from your youth days that's not, that's <laughs> PG, that's PG, that's PG, that's PG, that's but uh, from those days it's nothing to do with sailing but in that environment. Um, I could think of a few dance. So. Well, I mean, there are times we mess with each other. It's quite <laughs> kind of funny. Um, I don't think I should. I don't think I should repeat them on, on, on podcast. Um, I don't know. There's been so many times. Uh, you know, you get certainly the youth worlds. They were exceptionally fun experiences, and I, I wish the first one I was obviously. I did pretty well, I came third, but I, I really soaked up the atmosphere and enjoyed it. 
and funnily enough that's when I raced my best and the next one I came back with this expectation I didn't didn't necessarily enjoy the experience um despite the fact it was in New Zealand and you know it was my last opportunity to, to go to the youth world and I think I, I don't know I sort of wish I enjoyed that more um that wasn't I didn't answer the question at all then no <laughs> but I, I I guess what you're trying to get across to everyone listening is that you know the result doesn't actually matter. Yeah. Like, no, you care, but even your parents don't really care. <laughs> they just want to get rid of you for a weekend or a week, or you know, they want you to have fun and enjoy your life. And I think if you if you're not enjoying what you're doing, then you need to uh, you, you need to reassess and realise that it's just sport. Mm. And like at your level, it's all youth sport. Just do as well as you can. Take it as seriously as you want to, but don't forget that. It's, it's your pastime at the end of the day. It's, it's a hobby. It's fun. Well, what I was trying to get as well is that me and you have fallen out a fair few times, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, we're, we're still good mates and we get along great. And I think at that level, you know, you're going to be around these guys for, for a long time. Just, you know, <laughs> make sure you, you just keep, you know, keep enjoying each other's company. Yeah, you can, you can mess, you mess with each other and have a bit of fun and you'll, all make up at the end of the day <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so moving forward what's, what's your plans for the rest of this year so we've got Palmer coming up in a few weeks yeah what sort of are you looking at over the rest of the summer okay so we've got, we've got Palmer this week and it's something I want to, it's an event I want to do well at um, I guess my build up hasn't been that great but that's not so important um, then I've got two weeks off and then here starts and that's another big event and then we've got three weeks and then the world so I mean this is this is the time we've got to start ramping up. I mean, previously we've been focusing on speed and exploring techniques and, and now we've got to start putting it all together and bringing other things like starting up to a good level and boat handling up to a good level too, um, just in these next two regattas. And then when the world comes in a month and a half time, hopefully everything should be together and all, all we have to focus on is the racing. The processes are dialed in, the skills are there. And, I guess that's my focus for the next three months. After that, we have, you know, a month off, and then the Europeans are in November. So, everyone's summer programs they they diverge a bit. Yeah, slightly. my real focus is only the next two months ish. Yeah, slightly different because the worlds and Europeans are quite spread out. Yeah, <clears throat> it's almost two seasons in in one year. Yeah. It's kind of like having the when the worlds are in Australia, saying right in the start of the year. You know, having like you said, two seasons in one year. So, yeah. And let's get back to when you said about the second time you went to the Youth Worlds. Now, that first time you went to Youth Worlds, you've medalled. Okay? Yeah. So let's paint a picture for everyone. You've medalled at that Youth Worlds. You've got the opportunity to go the next year if you qualify, but you would have also, you could have also taken a step earlier into standards. Was that going through your mind at the time or? Um. Yeah, it was. I mean, I turned 18. The youth worlds are usually at the start of summer. And then the person that goes, when they're at that age, they, they go and then they do the rest of the summer events in the radio and they step up, do the whole winter in the standard. Um, I qualified for the, the youth worlds at the summer regatta. So that would normally have been the last regatta of my youth career. Um, and it would have been had I not qualified, but I did. Uh, and then... I guess I didn't really know what was going on at that point because 
I was taking gap year. I wanted to sail, but the Yahweh squad system. It, at that point, it was we didn't know if you were going to get pulled up and put into the top squad or you weren't going to have any training. Um, so, I don't know. I was given the, the opportunity to go to these worlds again and told that, okay, if I said I was wanted to go, I probably had to sell the radial. So I did that and I could sell with the, the girls in Weymouth. Um, in hindsight, I probably should have moved up because they also had a... They started a P3 squad um, for all the other young standard sailors that got good results in the radial. So I think if I went there and then just dropped back down to the radial in New Zealand, I probably would have been better overall. It would have helped my development, but yeah, I didn't. Hindsight's... Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Yeah. In the end, I did well enough at the U21 Worlds that year that it didn't really matter. Yeah. Right, let's, let's go on to different subjects. We've sort of rounded off sort of what you've done in your career. Yeah. Let's talk about some qualities in different sailors okay that you might have come across okay so now i want you to try and think of a different sailor for each sort of part around the race course so we've done it a few times before okay so you know there might be something very specific so i know with for you dan is for me if i was to say who's you know stands out winning the pin it's it's normally you you know when i've when i've been training with you and you know in those youth squad days or whatever the person who's down at the pin most often winning it or very close to winning it is yourself. Yeah, okay? it's, a, it's a strong preference of mine. So, but then so. the committee boat end, you maybe I don't think you've got as strong a presence from my point of view. Yeah. Um, as you know, you stand up from the pin. So think of it like that. Okay? I have tried to change that, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. of course. They yeah. always try and improve your weaknesses. But in that sense, okay, so let's start with that start line dilemma. Who would you say is the two standout ends okay if there is something that really stands out for you or somebody who in general is really good at starting in in the world it could be in the world or somebody that might stand out in the british fleet that it's probably easier if i say the british fleet because yeah people can they see them they can relate to that well i mean elliot's just phenomenal at starting he's really really strong he's good at the boat on boat stuff um yeah definitely elliot he can start i mean very well so, you know, if there is somebody else that is um, in the you know in the world, you know, some people might have heard of them, but it'd be nice to know if somebody very specific that stands out in that area. Okay, so that initial get go off the line, you'd say Elliot is the real standout for you for. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's definitely one of the strongest in the world at that. Who's maybe somebody that you've trained with or been in a rabbit with that you've been like this guy is you're trying everything and they're just pulling away from you every time if you if you start next to Matt Wern I mean it's yeah it's it's hard to keep up <laughs> he's just big and fit and keeps the boat perfectly flat so if whether it's wavy or choppy he just goes faster and higher <laughs> and he started up me yesterday and I was giving it absolutely everything and I popped out but and I was just expect. I knew he was going to come over because I know he's quick. But I, I look over my shoulder, and he's not only come over, but he's gone so high that I'm not getting any dirty wind from it. And I was like, "Oh my god, that's bloody impressive!" And is that uh, no one else was close to him? And I mean, is it purely just the, the fact that he's fitter and bigger than you know, or not bigger, so to speak? But you know, 
Is that purely the reason? Or? God, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> if I knew that, then maybe I could replicate it. Yeah. I, I think he's, he's just... He's obviously big and fit, but when you look at his boat, it doesn't... It doesn't when a gas comes on, it doesn't heal. And generally, his heel is fast. It's, it's very impressive. I mean, there's not much that makes it... You don't need to do much to make a laser go fit when... Uh, so, sorry, to make a laser go fast upwind, it, it just needs to be a you know, very consistent heel, preferably perfectly flat, um, and Telltale's streaming back and try reduce the pitch, and, and I think he must do all those basics really, really well. Yeah. Okay, and this, you've gone around the room with Mark, but you're at that mark. Who, who would you say, let's focus on the lured and the top mark, who would you say has got... Well, just in general, good boat handling that you go, this person, okay, might not be the quickest on the race course, but their boat handling is, you, you know, above their, you know, their speed in a way. Um, Anyone stand out at all? If, if not... I don't know. I mean, you don't really see someone's boat handling. You only, you only turn around corners. Yeah. Maybe six times in a race. You, it's more likely you see their bad boat handling. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you can see it when someone, obviously can't do it, but most people can do it. Um, yeah. You, you really see it when you do short course training uh, in the wind. Again, Elliot's pretty damn good at it. Yeah. And, okay, downwind leg, who's, who would you say really stands out for you? Everyone knows Lorenzo's quick downwind and everyone says that. So try and think of somebody else that might be that stands out for you. Oh, Mickey's, Mickey's really quick downwind. Um, yeah, just, just... He's very consistently quick downwind. He's never out the back in a speed run, ever. And he's very rarely holding steady with you either he's he's out front always and then, other and people think, can have like stellar runs but they're still he's still there with them and, and anything that sort of stands out to you that you try and emulate um I guess I shouldn't really say too much <laughs> I don't think he'd like me saying anything so so there, there obviously is but you you want to sort of keep it quiet well I mean you know you train a squad with these guys and if they if they tell you and they give you this information they tell you how they're doing it it's not really okay to then divulge that to everyone else for sure even if it is on the hour with flower podcast and everyone else yeah. in the UK <laughs> um, no so that, that's fair enough. I can understand um, but you it, sort of there is something that you are trying to work yeah he's for to be as quick as him I mean anyone that looks at him can see that he, he sails in a specific style that's different to maybe the others around him um and maybe that's the thing that makes them quick. Maybe it's not, but there's a, there are definitely differences. Um, in the world's fleet, I think when I've seen Tom Saunders that went, he's pretty damn quick too. No, current world champions. So current world champion. You expect him to be so. Let's let's go back. Try and do a similar thing, but just imagine your youth and junior days. Okay. Now, who would you say in, in those younger days that was sort of your biggest rival, your biggest sort of, you know, the person that you really want to beat the most at, you know, the top quality sailor in those sort of younger days? What, that, at the Worlds or the British fleet? Let's, let's say in the British fleet, to keep it simple. That Oh, well, I mean, I, oh, I was great friends with Jack Cookson, but I always wanted to beat him. I know he <laughs> desperately wanted to beat me too. So that was, um, that was a bit of an a inter-team rivalry. And I think it pushed us both to be really good. And then in the world's fleet, I don't know, there are, there are a lot of good guys that on their day 
did really well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the, the usual the usual people that you still see in results now around my age group. Yeah. Like, I, I guess I want to speak Ben Alexander when... when yeah. Yeah, like Ben <laughs> and George and, and yeah, even one of the American boys who's stopped now. It was really good. I just didn't, I didn't really like being beaten at that age. And, yeah. And they were the, the quick guys. Well, you know, yeah, they were, they were the, the group of guys that, you know, as good as me and could beat me if they got it right and I could beat them if I got it right. So yeah. they naturally become your competitors, don't they? So let's get back to Jack Cookson. You know, you said you had quite a, you know, a, a rivalry in the squad together. Do you think that really progressed you, you know, because you're bouncing off each other and just each person wants to find something to make them go a little bit quicker than the other? Oh, yeah, massively. I mean, let's not... I don't want to get this wrong. He was much more of a friend than a rival. Yeah. And that's what made it good. I think it was just a straight rivalry and you hate their guards then. Yeah. Well, it's probably quite an unhealthy thing because you're only ever focused on them. But it's not sustainable as well. Yeah, it's not sustainable. You know, if you're only thinking about what someone else is doing then you're missing all the things that actually make you race well, which is, you know, your processes, how well you're executing those. And the decisions you make, you don't want to let cloud your judgment, but in training, it's great to have someone that's just as good, is pushing just as hard. And, you know, it, it means you've got to turn up and, and, and work hard every day in training, and that's ultimately what gets you better at all these skills. Yeah. And I know from being in that sort of, that you squad when you're in, P three together, it was sort of your. There was what I really took from you guys was okay. These guys when it's training, it's serious stuff. They're taking it seriously, but then when it wasn't that training environment, you were able to relax and not think so much about the sailing aspect and just hang out together and have a good time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we definitely did. Um, I think at points some people in the squad maybe they were too emotionally attached to their results and that spoils it but yeah if you can let go and you can have fun with your mates it makes the whole process more enjoyable and, and actually the more enjoyable it is the more you do and the more you do the better you get so I, it's very conducive to, to, to developing sailing skills before we wrap up is there any other subjects or anything you want to talk about I don't know. What do you think? Um, what do you, oh, I think we've covered. People would find valuable. Well, I think we've covered a lot of points. So, if you're happy to wrap up, we've got one more question, oh, which no. Uh, oh, no. which is coming. It's just, it's a question on everybody's lips, Dan. And is what hair gel do you use? Oh, okay. Well, because uh, <laughs> you're having a bit of a nightmare out here, actually, aren't you? <laughs> well, a little bit. I would I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's too bad, but no, the the Spanish don't seem to um. They don't seem to stop hedge on in, in their shops. You've even uh, got me to have a look in a few shops elsewhere to... <laughs> yeah, you make me sound like a bit of a uh, self-obsessed person now. Yeah. But they, uh, yeah. Best looking guy in the boat, for, uh, boat park is what I heard. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, let's finish it there. Uh, hopefully we'll get another sailor this week while we're out in Palma to do a podcast. And uh, we'll have a good time sailing. Will do. Thank you very much, Ben.